0: Health and fitness with David Hollywoods. One hundred and three.
1: Hello and welcome to Health and Fitness. My name is David Hollywood, and I'm your host this week and just about every week on the show. This evening, we're profiling and platforming women's sport, specifically women's Gaelic games. Very shortly. You meet a remarkable Midlands woman who has been a pioneer in the game of camogie since the early 70s. We'll hear from two Midlands men who've made it a life's goal to promote women's sport through Gaelic games. And later in the programme, we'll keep the sporting theme going by talking to a leash author who's brought out a book that will take you on a nostalgic trip back in time. I'm very glad to say uh, the first part of uh, this uh, show is going to concern Tullamore Camogie Club. Uh, they have a special year this year. They're in the midst of it, getting to the end of it, I suppose, if we look at the calendar. And that is their 50th anniversary. I'm very glad to say that a club member, a club member for spread all of those 50 years and an honorary president, Miriam McCallan, joins us on health and fitness this evening. Miriam, thanks very much for taking our call.
2: You're very welcome, David. Delighted to come on your uh, show and uh, talk about uh, Tullamore Komogi over the last 50 years. And obviously uh, looking forward to uh, another 50 years.
1: (laughs) Now, as far as I understand, you've you've been a member of the club throughout, is that right?
2: I have indeed, yes. I initially started as a player and um, then became involved very quickly in the administration, which... I suppose, was uh, very much the case for uh, most clubs back in the 70s that uh, the players were the administrators, they were the jersey washers, they were the pitch liners, (laughs) they were the coaches, they were everything. (laughs) So it it was very easy to get involved.
1: um, Just to take you back to that period of time where, as you say, the, the participants were the administrators and they were basically the people that, gave existence to these clubs, you must then have had a number of, how would I put it? Like, it sounds like all of you were pioneers in a certain way that you all had to show personal leadership and a great kind of uh, level of cooperation and determination uh, to ensure that tullamore uh, uh the club itself, managed to get to 2023 in the health and the state that it is.
2: Yes, I suppose we were pioneers, but we never saw ourselves as that. We wanted to play camogie. We wanted to enjoy ourselves. We wanted to have a bit of crack. And the only way to do that was just get on with um, what needed to be done. And um, back in the 70s, we were a -a 12-a-side game Mm. on a shorter pitch. So it involves quite a lot of uh, hassle, I suppose, uh, in the context of having to mark out a smaller pitch. Uh, get smaller goals Uh, so there was a lot of uh, organising in um, getting a match even underway Um, but look we did it and um, we're we're still doing it 50 years later albeit in a different style uh, and very much more organised and uh, very much uh, parents coming on board Um, we didn't have that history in the 70s Mm. uh, so we, we just had to do it for ourselves We were actually the first club within Offaly and by virtue of that uh, we had to look for competition outside the county. We affiliated with each county board. Uh, We did exceptionally well with them for a number of years before Offaly actually formed their own county board in 1979.
1: It must be satisfying to reflect on all the work that was done and the fact that everyone's celebrating a 50th anniversary gives it that sense of meaning.
2: There's no doubt. You're, we were starting obviously from a low base, so anything um, incrementally um, was uh, very welcome. We're now in a situation where in 73 we would have had 20 to 25 members, um, as I said, um, players being very much the predominant um, administrators and uh, coaches etc but um, now we're in a situation where we've nearly um we're almost reaching 300 membership uh, the committee um comprises mainly of um parents coaches uh, and uh, non-players uh, in the main uh, we have a variety of um Teams from our nursery, which is under sixes, and then on to the eights and twelves who take part in uh, go games, and um, up from 14 then up to the minor age group. We have two um, teams at adult level, um, graded junior and uh, senior. And uh, the most recent addition to our club is a social dimension camogie called Come On and Chat. So uh, you know, from a very low base of 2025 25 members and one team uh, to a team, a uh, number of teams now almost uh, being 13, 14 teams and um, a host of people actually involved in the administration and support of the club. Together with the fact that we now have our, our own grounds with uh, the, the Ladies Football and the GA in uh, Kelly's, what, what is termed uh, Kelly's Field, which is in fact uh, the SportsLink um, grounds on the Arden Road. Mm. And we still, we still use the GA uh, pitches at Brian Park.
1: Yeah, I know the pitch in Arden Road. It's a great facility. I've actually what, taken in a few games there um, over the course of the last uh, year or so. It's It's good you mentioned that social team that's been set up because my next question was actually, what do you think the impact has been in the community uh, to have a a sporting outlet for uh, young women as they develop into adulthood uh, that has been able to grow and that has stayed local and has been open to the public the way Tullamore Camogie has?
2: Well, I think you've hit the uh, nail on the head there, David, insofar as that whilst we are obviously a sporting club, uh, there is a social dimension to being involved in any sporting club and i think that's uh, been proven um, with uh, various research program or uh, research uh, that has been carried out that girls and particularly teenage girls love the sport network the sense of place the um, opportunity for independence that comes with being involved in sport uh, the social connection and um, obviously the skills that they develop, the leadership skills even that they develop, the social skills that they develop through any sport. And uh, we believe that we offer that in Komogi in a big way. Um, We involve the girls in their own decision-making and um, it has led on then, as I said, in the last number of years, we have uh, undertaken an an initiative is called the MANAW, it's uh, Motivation, Nurturing and um, Aspiring um, um, is the initiative and uh, we get uh, parents and maybe even former um, players who uh, played maybe um, many years ago in their teens to come back get the skills um, that they can um, engage with Komogi through their children through this program and uh, they have now developed their own social commode, um, which has been very successful and runs throughout the year. We go outdoors, obviously, from April to September, and then we play indoors from October uh, through the winter again until uh, April. And uh, that has been a great dimension to the club. It has brought us uh, new coaches. It has brought us new administrators, and it has brought a, a very much a social dimension to the club.
1: I don't know if this tallies uh, with you, Miriam, but from my perspective, which is, Obviously, uh, a less informed and more ignorant perspective when it comes to the gender balance in sport, uh, that uh, women's sport has been covered in a better way and is seeing uh, better levels of participation, both in terms of audience and participants uh, over the course of maybe the last 10 years. What have you observed in terms of the changing dynamic of women's sport more broadly and generally in this country?
2: Uh, David, I, I have seen a phenomenal change. Um, the fact that I went to school myself and never played any sport, yeah. uh, to now sport being very much part and parcel of the school life. And uh, during uh, the last number of years as a club, we have uh, supported the schools uh, to enable them to have Komogi as a, a choice uh, of sport for girls in, in Tullamore and particularly in Tullamore and indeed this happens in barb um that uh, some of our school most of the schools are gender based and uh, so they, they tended to be neglected by virtue of that and uh, through um funding that we received from uh dormant accounts and the department of justice on an integration program um we have been uh, we've been enabled to um, put a coach into schools for an X period of time and this has in in turn enabled the schools to participate in the um, uh, Common School uh, competitions and uh, in turn those players are now coming uh, to our club and it it gives them um, an opportunity to expand their experiences in sport. Uh, It has been hugely successful It it takes a lot of effort but it's certainly worth it and we have great support uh, from all of the primary schools in uh, Tullamore.
1: I think it's worth underlying something you said there which is it does take a lot of effort and when you want to make a profound change on any landscape you have to plant seeds and wait for them to grow and I suppose the great work that's been done by yourself maybe those who came before you and after you uh, generally across the country and in the Midlands We're starting to see uh, the benefits of that now. So based on what you're seeing being done at the ground level and more seeds been planted, uh, would you be hopeful uh, that the female participation in sport will continue to improve in that respect? And just to add on to that, um, I'd love to get your perspective on the idea of all of the Gaelic associations, the Gaelic sports associations emerging at some point down the line.
2: Yes, no, definitely the the way to foster the game is uh, through the schools and through community initiatives, and we did that um, in the last year as part of our 50th uh, year celebrations. And not alone had we the coach under the various programs in the schools, but we then held uh, primary school blitz at the um, end of the school year in May, and uh, we every girl from a third class to a sixth class, um, participated in that. So irrespective of their ability, irrespective of whether they had participated in the coaching program, irrespective of whether they were a member of the club or otherwise, mm. they got an opportunity to play the game of Komogi in a uh, competition that was appropriate to their skill level and to their age level. We had 500 uh, girls participate in that blitz in May. And it was hugely successful. Um, The the girls enjoyed it. We didn't have a winner's um, uh, philosophy within it. We had a participation philosophy within it. uh, And we did give awards to um, the the team that mushroomed the best through the um, blitz and to uh, individual uh, performances as in uh, the player who scored the most goals, etc., uh, so that was hugely successful and we also had uh, other community activities in terms of the camogie on the greens. We went to uh, two uh, estates uh, during the year and uh, held a camogie on the greens and uh, um, concept, uh, inviting children from the estates out onto the greens to embrace the game. Um, as a taster some were obviously more experienced but mm. we did get uh, new members through that process and uh, next year we hope uh, through funding and um, that is coming to the Offaly County Board from uh, Offaly County Council to expand that program and again as I say this is uh, bringing us into the community the community then will come back into our club and we we're opening ours ourselves up to Uh, the non-traditional possibility of members engaging through that process.
1: Well, I think if the relevant stakeholders have an ounce of the determination, resolve and vision that you've... Illustrated to us, Miriam, on health and fitness this evening, uh, then I have no doubt that it'll come to fruition. Uh, Once again, thanks for talking to us on the programme. Congratulations to the club on reaching uh, the 50th anniversary milestone and well done uh, to everyone involved in terms of uh, bringing the sport of camogie uh, to the uh, broader community across uh, Tullamore and beyond. Thanks again.
2: Thank you, David. Thank you.
1: A man who's dedicated his life to Gaelic Games in Leash and to supporting women in Gaelic Games is up next
0: health and fitness with David Hollywoods
1: now leash ladies football uh, has always been well regarded uh, across the country uh, for uh, their historic achievements uh, recently crowned the intermediate uh, champions of Ireland and uh, back playing senior football. But uh, certainly things haven't been completely smooth sailing uh, off the pitch. Uh, uh, stepping into the breach of the administrators for the LGFA in Leash is Pat O'Sullivan. Pat joins us uh, to talk about a newly taken role. Pat, chair of the uh, Leash LGFA, uh, what are your feelings heading into it?
0: Yeah, thanks David, thanks very much. And um, look, I'm honoured to have be given the role and to be trusted with um, taking on this uh, really, really important role. But I suppose the circumstances, as you alluded to, probably wouldn't be the best. You know, you prefer to get us um, some other better way, but essentially, I suppose, the outgoing committee um, were not um, not able to come back and take up the positions again for another year or contest elections. So it fell then into an EGM, which had no nominations for any positions. And then on the second EGM, I had been approached, and because I'd been involved at all levels in ladies football, probably apart from county, I would have been involved in management of both club and county level um, and administrating a referee and all that sort of thing. I felt it was really important. Um, I suppose in the reality, what was going to happen was that Leash Ladies was going to have to be uh, now administered by Leash Council. I'm sure it's not a job Leash Council wanted to do, but it would have curtailed activities, certainly for Leash LGFA, for the coming year in regards to what competition they could do. So that's why I stepped forward, uh, to be honest with you. Um, that's the reason why. And now the, the fun starts.
1: Now the fun starts. It's a great way of putting it. Um, <laughs> as as chair of the uh, Leash Ladies Football Association, obviously the association is there to support... Uh, female participation in Gaelic football, uh, what do you think are its main obligations? Therefore, what would your objectives be coming into
0: 2024? Yeah, I, uh, absolutely. And actually met the players at my second night um, as chairperson. I went to meet the senior players, and I've also talked to all the underage teams who are progressing away with trials and still continuing on their business, thankfully. Um, I suppose from our point of view, we have to get the administrative side um, correct and that's where where my role steps in I look for me the chairman and the executive We are only facilitators of the clubs. We just provide a platform there for clubs to come and progress um club matters and progress um What their players can or can't do and that's my role there. So yes, absolutely players uh, They're the they're cornerstone of the association. They have to be the priority for us and I'm really into being involved myself in the ladies' teams. I've coached senior ladies' teams, intermediate, all grades, underage as well, uh, being part of And that's not me just saying that because it sounds it's a good soundbite. No, absolutely not. Going forward, I, there's a huge um, putting together a committee who will look after a, a development and a, a development strategy because I think there now needs to be a stronger pathway for players, which can tie that in with a stronger pathway for coaches. So players coming in at any age, know that there's a progression planned out there for them. Again, stuff I would have done in my many years in the GA, the men's side of it, and all that, can, and bring in those kind of things across to the ladies. Please God, someday we'll all amalgamate and everything will be fine, but until then, there's a lot of work to be done. And we know ourselves from being involved in media, David, I suppose that um, you know, the ladies um, tend to be just a bit behind in regard to... um. Well, obviously facilities because ladies don't own any facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're hoping that your relationship with your local GA club or from a county point of view that the GA clubs can provide the facilities for you. That's the unfortunate place we find this in. I can't do anything about that now, so I have to work out. But absolutely paramount for ladies and all the well-being that goes with that. It's huge in my mind.
1: OK, because as we, as you alluded to there, the the associations are planning on amalgamating, but it's not going to be in the next 12 months. So it has to be put to one side in terms mm-hmm. of that. And if there's yeah. anything yeah. that you can do to support that movement, obviously, that, that that's what you're there to do. But it's not really going to be centre stage over the course of the short term. In any case, as you've said there, player welfare supporting players and ultimately, like it occurs in every county across the country, fighting for their rights to have access to facilities and to equal treatment uh, is going to be a big part of it uh, but you can't do that on your own pat uh, naturally and typically uh, you will have a number of colleagues who are volunteering to help out uh, at board level but you really are starting from zero currently
0: yeah absolutely yeah i am and and look i, I just first of all i, I should have said the top of it um just want to thank the outgoing committee and um, for all the work they did, and in particular the outgoing chairperson Phil O'Keefe, who's done tremendous work down the years. Real uh, level, high level of volunteers and hours dedicated to ladies football. And now, yes, that, all that, that group ha- have moved on, and now it's time for a new. Yes, so there's a little good a bit extra, I suppose, in that in that we're starting and there is a bit of time frame. I have to say, first of all, Lensa Council have been fantastic. Margaret Brennan and Council has been fantastic. As I have others, uh, Pat Carr has travelled on for a load on a couple of occasions to chair some meetings and oversee meetings. So we've got great support from Leinster. So normal deadlines have just been, we're getting a little bit of breathing space, which allows time. Look, coming up to Christmas as you know yourself, David, it's not the time to be answering the phone mm. or ringing someone and saying, Would you mind coming in and taking on the whole portfolio So look, yeah, just challenges. What I have to say, the clubs have been brilliant so far and anyone I've contacted has been really, really appreciative and really, you know, enthused. So that's great for me. I just have to get the people on the ground. Especially tonight, I suppose my links with the GA would be great, and the first person to ring me in fairness was PJ Kelly from the Chairman the Men's um, association to congratulate me first, tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> but again, and and I see in fair. Niall Handy has mentioned his report this year about that amalgamation. And I think he's, while they're very, very conscious of it, his suggestions have been, I think, very good. I, I like the idea where he said may, maybe, possibly, that instead of going a full integration, that we look at ladies and camogie, maybe integrating first and then coming to the GA table, and I see merit in that. You know what I mean? I think, but Again, that's not from each side. I know Mary McAleese is doing the report. and That could come out. But that's... These are all long-term things. These are long-term plans. Mm-hmm. But for here and now, we're going to have to remain as, you know, keeping with the J and getting to the Missouri's game, sitting down and chatting to them and see what we can do. Yeah, it's uh, plenty to do, David. But look, I'm I really looking forward to it. Well,
1: to I was just about to say, I've not heard you so enthused uh, in an interview in, in <laughs> yeah. some time. So personally, you really do sound animated and excited by a chance to further yeah. ladies football in the Midlands and in Leash specifically. Uh, what would it mean to you personally uh, to uh, take this role up and then after it to be able to reflect on it being a success?
0: Well, I tell you how we will judge it. And as I said, to um my, my vice chair personal Lockman who's uh, absolutely su- super support she's from the port leash club and has his chair of sport i said i will go in be great this time next year i said that we um we're going for election and we have to go on canvas clubs for a vote wouldn't that be brilliant i said that people would want to come on board that to me is a reflection that do you know what i mean people want to get involved um but you know that's because they took up the job as a simple reason I did not want to leash LGFA to go the route it was going to take. And between now and the next year, I want to do as much as I can to bring it back and get, get up and running. And as I said to the players, the senior panel of players the other night, I said, it's no point in us being getting together if the players aren't there. And if we can't give players that opportunity to play the games and not we'll play them, there's no point in us even coming. So there, again, as I said, that's the priority is that players get to play and I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure that that happens safely, you know, securely, everything that all has to be taken into account as well. Lots of rules around the place, lots of things, you know, it's 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 maybe sometimes ladies it's it's it bounds itself up in rules and one rule might contract another. That's something I'll find. But I suppose having experience in the ladies, I was chairman of Park Partners Club for many a year, um and um, so that that's kind of helped me as well in the administrative side of it. But look, yeah, anything that they do with success, I suppose going to clubs or that people who turn up to meetings and will have good constructive meetings, for me would be a huge um, boost and a huge signal that things are going the right direction.
1: Well, Pat, I think if the people that you get to work with you on the board and anyone who is supporting uh, Leash Ladies Football have uh, 50% of your enthusiasm uh, towards it, then uh, <laughs> the, the sport yeah. in Leash will be in a good place. So we wish you the very best with it. And uh, Thanks, we yeah. just ask you to keep us posted on the developments as they unfold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, look, maybe I'll be able to double job from accommodate a match for this chairman. Maybe that'd be another unique thing. Thanks, David. Thanks, man.
1: Next on health and fitness, you'll meet the loaf of bread podcaster that's becoming the Westmeath Keloge press officer.
0: Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods
1: Now the question I'm going to ask our listeners on health and fitness this evening is, what is sport? Maybe sport is a collection of people together playing a game, absolutely, uh, but maybe sport is people taking time out of. Their day to day life to help others participate in that game. Uh, Sport can't really exist uh, without those behind the scenes who support it. I'm very glad to say that uh, such an individual as joined us on Health and Fitness this evening. Um, I'm very glad to introduce Jason Keelan, who is the new PRO for Westmeath Camogie. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us on Health and Fitness this evening.
3: Not at all, David. Thanks, William, for having me. Appreciate it.
1: So you're now the press relation officer for uh, Westmeath Camogie. It takes on an inter-county kind of feel to it as soon as you say that. How do you feel about the new new job?
3: Yeah, quite uh, quite excited about it, I suppose. Um, came across a little bit. as A lot of things in my life have happened uh, by accident um, in terms of podcasts and stuff lately. So <clears throat> this is just another notch on the belt of things. Um, that I wasn't uh, planning on as such but I'm actually delighted to be offered the chance and to be approached to to do the job I'm taking over from a a fantastic camogie player in Karen Gaffney um, and I'm hoping to be able to live up to what she's done for Westmead Camogie in the past year or so particularly on social media and with new ideas and new initiatives so I have I know I've got big shoes to fill but um, I'm hoping I can do a decent job at it.
1: Yeah you if if it's not by design, then you are you are tipping along well by accident. Uh, you mentioned your yeah. podcast. This Ooh. is the Loaf of Bread Ga podcast. Uh, let's start there. Then it's a, it seems like it's certainly the first point at which I came across yourself. Uh, how did this get? How did the ball get rolling on this whole thing? Because you you carved out a niche and and a fairly decent profile and reputation from it.
3: Yeah, I suppose the podcast. Um not many positives came from COVID, I think, for most people, but it's probably one for myself that did. Um, I've always had an interest in the GAA, a bit of a sports-obsessed. um love statistics, love research, love looking up stuff. Um, fortunate as well in my life to have travelled to well over 100 countries in the world, and on one of those journeys, uh, ironically, a strange kind of story to be going on a bus from Kiev to Chernobyl. I was listening to a podcast that mentioned the GAA World Games, couldn't believe I'd never heard of it before, um, and all the countries I'd been to that I hadn't come across a GA club abroad. So decided to see if there was a market for it. Uh, if I hadn't heard of it, maybe you know, maybe it was a, a global thing that maybe not a lot of people in Ireland knew about it. Messaged a couple of clubs around the world. Discovered there were well over two, three hundred at the time. Got a great response back, particularly during COVID, when a lot of Irish abroad were you know were wondering if they'd ever get home again or how long would it be before they see their family. So it was a great way to get their voice across back home as well and around the world. And it kind of expanded from there. Um, seven podcasts turned into 55 and there were another 106 lined up, which I didn't get around to. But since then, I've been in touch with over 500 clubs abroad. I'm in pretty constant contact with a lot of them. Made a lot of good friends. I've been out abroad twice to two different GA tournaments that I was invited out to. Um, and yeah, just sort of very, very fortunate. And then I suppose the... The pinnacle of it all came in the summertime when Charlie Harrison and uh, Mickey Quig were in charge of the World Games in Crow Park. They asked me to come on board for the World Games 2023 in Derry in the summer. And that was a phenomenal experience. 2,000 Gaelic footballers, hurlers, camogie players from around the world and 1,500 of them not Irish. Some of them playing the game for the first time. Some of them well-versed in the game uh, over the last number of years, haven't taken it up in their own you know respective countries and areas and it's just amazing to meet all these people and to get to to chat to them and do a bit of work for the GA as well. So yeah, it's it's opened up a lot of random avenues
1: I wasn't expecting, but uh, delighted it has happened. In all of that then, what are the kind of conclusions you would draw about what the wider GA community is, what it means either to you or the people that you interacted with internationally?
3: Mm. I think it's quite unique, um, and anybody I've spoken to on podcasts or even at the world games or even just in in general chatting on social media or on zoom who particularly aren't irish and have have not really heard of ga in some cases that the one word that comes out all the time is community that for a lot of people it's it's a a release i suppose from the speed of life in their country and it's just a lovely way to meet new people and to find a different social outing you know a lot of people in ireland seem to think that ga abroad you know is just a uh, it's interference in a in a social life, really. You know, it's more the pubs and the GA, but you can trust me that there is a is a very very high standard abroad as well. And it's it's amazing to see the community spirit and the community buy in and the amount of the amount of energy that comes from it as well. Um, I can't pick one place in particular because it, it's kind of it's become very very global. Originally, I would have been a lot of contact with the Asian clubs, whereas now. It's expanded all the way to Uganda and I've been involved with Equator Gales and Uganda GA, Mexico GA, you know, it's just communities everywhere Um, and you get a lot of amazing stories out of it as well, you know, we see kind of cross sporting communities like uh, Mauro Bergamasco, famous Italian rugby player was lining out for Nantes GA, Hmm. Um, there was, I can't remember his name offhand, an NFL running back who was playing for GA club in China this year, get you do get a lot of random things, but I would say the one big thing from it all is is community, which is exactly what the GAA is meant to be
1: about in Ireland and abroad. That's a good point to make for my next question, which is specifically relating to your new role as the PRO for Westmeath Camogie. Let's talk just a little bit more broadly about women's place in sport in Ireland and particularly in the GAA. Um, I've heard... A few quotes from Ema Ryan's uh, book, The Grass Ceiling, and uh, mm. it sounds like a, an absolutely brilliant book. I'm going to be picking it up as soon as I can soon. But uh, she speaks apparently very uh, arrestingly on, on just the the vacuum of support the women's game from men and this isn't a case of going out and volunteering or, or or coaching or anything as hands-on as that it's simply just rocking up and being a fan of the sport like they're a fan of uh, the junior b lads you know um, anything mm-hmm. along those lines so uh, was it always the case for you that the camogie and, and women's football held as much excitement as interest as uh, the, the, the men's versions of those and When you take this role on, uh, how cognizant are you of that dynamic?
3: Yeah, if I was been totally honest, I'd probably say no. They weren't historically in my life, um, you know, as much of an interest. Like I played with the Downs GA, and I remember at the time, I don't think there was a a real kind of ladies setup. Whereas now, they're contesting the county final, you know, in twenty twenty three for the first time ever, and it's it's a testament to them as well of how far they've come. Mm. It's just. It's it's great to see the rise in Camogie and in ladies football. And I mean that more in kind of the promotion side of things and the fact that it's more recognised. There's less of uh, pushing it to the kind of the background of everything. And we've heard all the stories of, you know, ladies teams turning up and been told their game is no longer on because there's a team training on this pitch, you know, and you've got to be moved and the lack of dressing rooms and showers and all that. And while it's not perfect by any means, it's certainly a hell of a lot better, I think, than it was a couple of years ago. I think the attempted integration that's going on at the moment with Mary McAleese, you know, at the center of it all with the GA, the LGFA, the Camogie, I think is great. Um, From what I've heard, she's doing really well, but it's still, you know, encountering a lot of resistance from different areas. But on a, I suppose, local level here with Westmead, um, the ladies football and Camogie has just proven to be a fantastic source of entertainment. And, as someone like myself, who loves being organized and getting everything, you know, in order and social media and stuff, the ladies football and the, the camogie just do things really, really well. Not not to say the men's football don't. I've been involved with them from, you know, the start of my work with the, the topic and the examiner locally and with commentary. But it's just nice to to be involved with something that's kind of on the rise. And as I said, the start, I kind of hope that I can, you know, put my stamp on it as well and keep things moving in the, in the right direction because it has been on the up. And we 've even seen you know games locally um Camogie games been played in qsey park you know which doesn't doesn 't happen too often or hasn 't in my lifetime anyway so it is great to see the everything on the rise. Right. We just want to put the players and the staff and the management and everyone to the fore as opposed to it being like you know an administrative thing all the time. We want you know the underage team sheets to be seen we want the underage players to be seen we want girls to take up the sport and to keep it going not just you know play it for a few years in school and at the club and then stop as I said the start you know that community thing kind of has to keep going right through until you're retired and then you're involved in coaching so it's just a case of <laughs> keeping West Camogie promoted at
1: inter-county, but even probably more so at the club level there's so much in that and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on in the position and very much looking forward uh, to following Westmeath Camogie uh, through your own work and of course and particularly uh, through the performances of those who participate in Gaelic games in the county and of course uh, St. goes for Leach and uh, Jason Keelan as I said best of luck with your new role Westmeath Camogie PRO and thanks for talking to us on Health and Fitness. Brilliant David thanks for watching me best of luck. Do you remember your golden days? You're about to hear from a Midlands author who's written a book on theirs, and you might share one or two special memories.
0: Health and Fitness with David Hollywood.
1: Now think back to your childhood, I think for all of us it becomes idealised, it becomes uh, tinged and hued with uh, rose-tinted glasses and nostalgia and sometimes it's just very enjoyable to go back and to revel in it. I'm very glad to say that that's kind of what we're going to do at the moment. Uh, We've got Garrett Malone on health and fitness this evening. Uh, Garrett's uh, originally from Emo in Port Leash, a primary school teacher in Port Leash and is launching his first book, it's called Golden Days. Uh, a sports book may be on the front of it, but um, there's plenty of humanity in here as well. Gareth, thanks for joining us on Health and Fitness this evening. Uh, thanks so much, David. Pleasure to be here. Golden Days, then tell us, um, if someone were to pick this up, uh, what are they picking up and what would they find inside?
4: Yeah, a lot of people have been asking me that question. I guess it's a mixture of two things. It's a sports book and there's quite a good bit of sports content in it. Roughly covering the period from 1985 through to 1998, which uh, I was born in 1980, so my earliest memories of sport began in 1985, and it covers my childhood then right through till I turned 18. But it's—I suppose—it's more than a sports book as well. It's a—it's a—it's a kind of a coming of age, coming of age memoir for me, and you know, almost like a love story for my passions of sport and my family and friends and the community I grew up in and all that's intertwined with, uh, So I guess sport is the cornerstone of it though, because
1: sport was at the heart of everything we did in family life. Um, There's a lot of us, I think in the world that love sport and, and really it's an important part of our lives, but there's very few of us go on to write a book. So what moved you from having those fond sporting memories to uh, taking on what anyone I ever talk to in terms of an author I always acknowledges is a huge undertaking of work.
4: I suppose, yeah, I suppose I, I kind of know from talking to friends of mine of a certain age, where we're coming to that age in our lives where there is a certain element of nostalgia and there's a certain element of, you know, with music or sport or TV, we kind of tend to think of things as, not being as good as they were in our day and harking back to the good old days when in soccer you could commit a good old solid tackle and there was no <laughs> var and in gaelic football it wasn't endless hand passing and, and we 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 kind of have those rose tinted glasses a little bit about the past but yeah for me it was i guess a, a, a reflection on that and also um just something I wanted to capture for my own kids in the future. And also my parents were quite ill at the time. They've both since passed away. And I wanted to kind of as well reflect on the, the great childhood they gave us and, you know, put that
1: down on paper too. Yeah, so there's plenty of meaning behind it in that instance. Talk to us about what sports were happening, what it was that was getting you excited at the weekends and what you looked forward to most and what were... um the most thrilling memories of that time.
4: Yeah, well, you see, I'm a teacher, as I said, and like now the kids have so much access to sports content with Sky and with uh, digital media and all this. Mm. But because we had so little, we just consumed everything we could get our hands on. And we became, I think, Almost more knowledgeable in 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 a wide variety of sports because we didn't have live football seven nights per week etc. So sports stadium was was probably the big one for me. The TV show that ran on RT on Saturday afternoons, which was you just got everything. It was just a a complete uh, mixture. You'd often have a live uh, cross channel game from England with George Hamilton and John Giles. But you would have horse racing, you would have a bit of Gaelic football, you could have quite obscure sports like a bit of sailing would be on, a bit of show jumping. Uh, so that was that was a big one for us. Uh, my really the Mexico '86 the World Cup, like that's when I was like, wow, you know, this is something special. And Diego Maradona made a big impression of me, uh on me and. You know, I can still vividly remember David where I was, where I was watching certain games. I was only six, but there was a magic about it. The the games were played in kind of midday heat in Mexico at the time and golden sunshine on the TV and the shimmer on the pitch and the jerseys and the haircuts. All that was like magical to a child. Uh, I think if you're a sports fan, World Cups are big for kids.
1: Yeah, and, the, and um, they're so far removed, particularly when you go back to something like the mid-80s uh, from the Midlands in Ireland when you're looking at that whole event and everything that it entailed. Exactly, and you didn't know these players. You
4: didn't see them on a weekly basis. So you were just meeting new and exciting players for the first time uh, when you turned on your TV set and... and... Yeah, that was, that, that was quite magical, I have to say. Also started going to games as well. Like I, my first memory of going then to a Leash game was in Tullamore in 1985. And Leash were very strong at the time. Mm. Leash actually reached Leinster football final in
1: Hurling and football That's that That's right, year, yeah. Against Dublin in them. the football, wasn't it?
4: Dublin beat them in the football. And I'm trying to awfully beat them in the Hurling and won the All-Ireland actually in eighty five. That's so, right, yeah. Um, But, yeah, Leash were very strong. Leash won the league then the following year in 86. And that was the year, it's mentioned in my book, the Battle of Ockram took place, that infamous game where, um, yeah, Leash, unfortunately, um, fell at the first hurdle in the championship. But, uh, yeah, we had great heroes in Port Leash. Like, we had people like John Taylor and Pat Critchley and Colin Brown was an all-star. And, you know, these were all Cheddar Plunkett. Um, figured names you heard about and saw around you in your community and were great people like
1: in terms of the impact then that Leash GA uh, had on you it's it's one of those things you've just alluded to it there it's accessible superstars uh, is what the GA kind of offers to to young people and by the sounds of it uh, that was very much something that uh, had an impact on you as well
4: Ah, uh, for sure, yeah, and it's become as we all know the games become very professional now, and a lot of intercounty players now are students or teachers. You don't get quite that diversity of 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 jobs playing GA anymore because it's not conducive maybe to to the demands of of intercounty GA. But um, yeah, like we, the, the, these were our heroes, and they were living around us, and it was you know Pat Critchley, like I mean, um. Just such a legendary figure to see going around the place. You knew his name from an early age and he was coaching in the local schools. And um Yeah, Jerry Brown, who was on the Leash team, he was the jeweler. I tell a story in the book about going in to buy my first my first watch. I bought it after my first communion in uh, in 1988. And Jerry had been playing for Leash the day before, you know, and um Leash had lost over in Dr. Cullen Park against Carlo and you know, my mum was talking to him about the game, and you know
1: that that that's that's great in your kid, like because they're your heroes. Yeah, I'd say that was uh, it's mind blowing when when that kind of thing can happen, especially when you consider the other side of the coin with the World Cup and and just how far away all of that seems. Uh, Gareth I know the book is is, uh, or certainly was a a project of uh, passion and and a love for sport and everything that we've talked about this evening Um, so it's not necessarily uh, you're not looking to hit the best sellers list or anything but I do want to ask you if people listening think that this one might be a good stocking filler as it were uh, where can they get the book?
4: Oh, uh, thank you, David. Yeah, so the book's available locally in Portlaoise here in All Books in Portlaoise. It's also available on allbooks.ie, on their website. And it's available from the publishers. uh, That's Letter Tech in Cork. That's Letter Tech, T-E-C,
1: from their bookstore in Cork. Yeah. Golden days. Garrett Malone, much appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness and the very best of luck with it heading into the festive season.
4: David, thanks so much. Thank you.